Will, I have a question for you. I might have an answer. Well, let's hope. <laughs> uh, what are your New Year's resolutions? New Year, New You. Mm. It's Year of the Dragon, Will. I don't know mm. if you knew this or not. It's Year of the Dragon. Well, it's not quite yet, but forget about it for this purposes. <laughs> what do you? What is your New Year's resolution? Well, uh, before I get to that, Lucas, you're right. It is the Year of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Well, I, I actually don't know if it is the Year of the Drag of, of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, or not, because. I haven't watched the Wrestle Kingdom pay-per-view yet, so that remains to be seen. Um, but I will let you know about that <laughs> next week. <laughs> that being said, it is going to be the year of the Wood Dragon come February, uh, when Chinese oh. New Year happens. Uh, okay. But enough about that. I know you're yeah, right, you're, right, right. you're stalling, trying to escaping, uh, trying to escape setting some smart goals. You know, mm-hmm. uh, measurable, attainable, all that jazz. Uh, what what is your New Year's resolution? Well, I mean, I'm not typically this type of person to do New Year's resolutions. You know, I'm one of those people. Oh, I don't do New Year's resolutions. So mm. I, I, I am, I'm, I, I'm, I'm playing along with your, with your prompt here. I'm just, I'm just uh, set, setting it up. But there is something that I'm going to be paying attention to starting this year, and that is, it's a, a very specialized approach to my health. I think a lot of times, uh-huh. you know, when I say. I'd like to exercise more. I'd like to lose weight. I'd like to do the, you know, it's all very generalized stuff that's not hard smart, to. Not smart goals. It's not measurable no. or achievable, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So this time I am working on finessing, not finessing, uh, fine tuning. <laughs> <laughs> I like finessing, though. You're lying to yourself. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm working on fine tuning those goals. Into specifically where I'm at right now with it is that I want to improve my cardiovascular health. Nice. And I want and I want to be able to breathe better. So it's not about or I don't want it to be about looking better or which which is not a bad goal depending on who you are, but it's like for me, that's not something that I really deep down care about. What I do care about is being alive longer. And so for me, that's improving my cardiovascular health and improving my circulation, my breathing. So uh, I'm still just, I'm still in the middle of figuring that out, exactly how that's going to be achieved as it makes sense for my life. But I would say that's probably the closest thing I have to a, to a New Year's resolution. What about you? Uh, I'm going to get more creative cooking. Mm. Uh, gonna Going to try and... Get away from just whipping up a pasta here and there uh, and get a little bit more creative with it so it's fun, so I enjoy it. Uh, starting mm. to think of the task of th- cooking less like a chore and more like a creative endeavor, uh, uh, an opportunity for self-expression, so to speak. Cool. And I'm just going to that's – that's the actual, like, concrete kind of non-fun one. The fun one is I'm just going to watch a bunch of Chinese movies – we're gonna I, wa- yes, I saw uh, this on your I saw this on your Twitter, and I was the interested. The Blu-rays, the Blu-rays are on the way. Well, I already <laughs> watched I already watched Dragon Inn, and I watched Touch of Zen, uh, and then I got Goodbye Dragon Inn, the kind of ninety the the early two thousands kind of uh, uh, take on Dragon Inn. Mm-hmm. That's on the way. I got Made in Hong Kong on the way. Uh, what is it called? Better Luck Tomorrow, the John Woo movie. I don't know. Okay. The list. I got an internal list that I'm working through. Will turns out all those 
uh oh gosh I, I'm, i've never said this word out loud before wuxia wuxia yeah i i think i think it's pretty close wuxia wuxia movies crouching tiger house of daggers mm-hmm. uh, hero i haven't seen any of those movies will really? i know it's crazy i've never seen any of them so we're just gonna we're gonna dive right in uh i'm china movie pilled i guess if any of the listeners have rex <laughs> you know everything from yeah more martial artsy stuff like that to much more kind of um dramatic stuff like Yi Yi and a brighter summer's day I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm watching it all. I, 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 I've seen my fair share of Japanese movies in my time, French movies, Italian movies. It's okay. time to kind of get deep on these Chinese movies. Cool. You're, you're, I always appreciate you are somebody who embraces a worldly point of view. You're somebody who really wants to put the work in when it comes to learning about something new. And I think that this is this is a negative of that. And whether it's cooking or whether it's uh, Chinese cinema, I, I, I hope that it's a fun and uh, productive journey that helps you learn a lot about the subjects and about yourself. Uh, so far, what I've learned from Touch of Zen and Dragon Inn is that uh, in the 14th, uh, or the I guess this would be the 13th century, in the 1400s, uh, the Emperor's eunuchs were some really evil guys. Uh, yeah. Emperor's eunuchs, no good, apparently, according to <laughs> these movies. Now, these movies also seem to say that they have special powers because they're eunuchs, and they can oh. do, like, you know, Street Fighter-esque flying <laughs> towards people and that kind of stuff. Um, so who knows how accurate this portrayal of eunuchs are, but if I was to believe these Chinese movies, there's something to be avoided. Well, and eunuchs in fiction, I feel, are pretty, um, pretty blacklisted in terms of, you know, their reputation. Yeah, they're usually conniving, like I'm used Mm. to them in like, you know, Game of Thrones or whatever, they're conniving, they're whispering. In these Chinese movies, they're like doing, um... Like M. Bison <laughs> flying through the air, corkscrews. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a sacrifice. You can learn how to do the psycho driver, but you need to be a eunuch. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the first episode of Elwood City Limits for 2024. Welcome into the new year. Will Young here, along with Lucas Mancini, and that's right, we're back at it. We're continuing on through Arthur season 19. In case you are starting off uh, in the new year with us. Now, of course, there's a couple of things that I want to talk about before we get to the episode itself. Uh, first off, remember to send us email over at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. We love receiving your emails, whether it's about something we talked about on the show, whether it's about the show itself. And remember, you can also, in your email, let us know if it's a, if it's a private email because you don't have to have it read on air if you don't want to. Or if you do want it read on air, please let us know and make sure to give yourself proper credit as well. Uh, so, yeah, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Uh, we want to shout out, of course, we love to uh, give shout outs to our patrons. There's one patron especially that I'm going to embarrass here for a second because they sent us a lovely, lovely holiday gift uh, over this little break that we had, and that would be RPG Fiend. RPG Fiend, who in the past has also boosted the Discord server, which we are very, very uh, appreciative of. But this time, they sent over two very cool things, uh, among other things. First off, the Arthur book, Arthur Believe in Yourself, what we learned from Arthur, which is Mark Brown's latest book about the lessons learned from creating Arthur, 
RPG Fiend went to a signing uh, uh, event with Mark Brown, and now we have a copy of the book signed to Will and Lucas from Mark Brown. Now, Will, the implications of this are massive. Already, let's just, I'm from, before I get into the jokes, I just want to say that what an amazing gift. Probably, well, I don't want to put the listeners against each other. All the gifts we've gotten from listeners are amazing. Yeah. And their listenership itself is the greatest gift of all. But what mm-hmm. an incredible gift. But, Will, there's an implication here. What's that? Did he give Mark Brown the context of who Will and Lucas are? Is Mark Brown aware of Elwood City Limits? This is the question. I, You know, we didn't actually, I haven't asked, so RPG Fiend, uh, feel free to let us know if indeed that is the case. I want to say, it, it, you know, at those signing events, if you've ever been to somewhere where you get something signed, typically you don't get a whole lot of time with them. So if this was RPG Fiend's opportunity to meet uh, Mark Brown for the first time, I would almost hope that they would let Mark Brown know how much Arthur meant to them instead of being like, uh, hey, Mr. Brown, you uh, you listen to podcasts, my guy? Because uh, I got one for you. I don't know. I, I actually did not ask about that. So, Well, one of it's... the other things that RPG themed got us was some uh, video game gift cards. And mm. I just yes. want to say I'm going to be living up to his namesake because I'm going to be Ooh. using mine to purchase a JRPG. I'm going to get the... Uh, Persona 5 remake, or Persona 3 remake, rather, so. Ooh. I'm Persona- gonna, th- he's spreading the RPG fiend love. The the original Persona 3 is one of the only JRPGs that I've completed. Um, it's nothing against the form. I'm just not a huge fan. But I did see all of Persona 3 all the way through. So you're in for a good time, especially if they keep a lot of the good stuff in there. Uh, yeah, that, that, was another, that was the other thing that RPG fiend gifted us was some gift cards PlayStation and Steam. Um, I used mine. I will. I'm just logging into Steam right now, and I can tell you exactly the games that I bought with these gift cards. Which again, we are very, very appreciative of. And Lucas, you, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that too. This is not, you know, if you're listening to this and being like, I'm behind in getting Will and Lucas stuff. You don't have to get us anything. You don't have to join the Patreon. You don't have to do anything when you listen to this podcast. But if you do get us something, we are going to take the opportunity to thank you profusely and embarrass you because it's super cool that people would want to do this for us. So with my gift card, I uh, purchased Hypnospace Outlaw, Project Zomboid, The Beginner's Guide, and Who's Lila, which are all games on my Steam wish list. I'm really excited to play all of them. And speaking of video games, Lucas, the other thing that we got our hands on, I wasn't able to get this to you because you are the closest of the two of us to come into contact with a PlayStation 1 and we were given a copy of the Arthur PlayStation 1 video game, which is Arthur Ready to Race. Yes, uh, and I'll tell you what, Will, and this is, listen, if I, I promise this, I don't want people knocking down my door saying, Lucas, where's the Arthur PlayStation 1 video? Uh, we'll do something with that someday. I have friends who have OBS equipment, or not an OBS, an Elgato. Hmm. I, I have the means to do something with that, but not anytime soon. So this is my promise to you, dear listener, because uh, one of our listeners was so kind enough to give us that, that we'll do something with it someday, one of these days. It's, it's it, you know what, this is, this is the hardest part, really, in terms of tracking this kind of game down. This is invaluable. So RPG Fiend, one more time, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody who sent us, who has sent us gifts in the past and sent us wonderful holiday messages as well. We really appreciate 
all of that. And we do appreciate our patrons. Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you want to get access, early access to Elwood City Limits, if you want to find out about the latest updates on Elwood City Limits as they happen, and I'll get into that a little bit at the end of the episode, because I do want to let you know there was one piece of Christmas content that we uh, put up on December 25th, and that is the first and maybe last episode of ECL Down Under, where finally Lucas and I talked about Bluey for, for a good hour. Like, we had a lot to say about Bluey. It's a great episode, and if you're missing out, then patreon.com slash Limits where some of our lovely patrons are, including people like Teresa and Chandler LaFave Boten, people like Muppet Baby Cat and Andrew Power, people like EJ Acra, Revd, and Allison Archambault, people like J Wags and Gabs and Zara, people like Jeff L and Jack, and of course, people like Quantum Wave, Hannah Lee, Tiki Barber Fan, and going down to the list here, Vonnie. G. Thanks, everybody. Elwood City Limits, or patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And that's all we have to say at the top of the show. There has been a Patreon update that we will talk about at the end of this Arthur episode, which is, Lucas, you've used this phrase a few times, especially recently in these recent seasons. This is one for the heads. This episode we're talking about. And that is Maria Speaks. Well, and it's funny because you could say it's one for the heads by uh, multiple different factors. For instance, longtime listeners of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, would remember when we talked about Martha Speaks. Uh, yes. And I was like, is this, is this the... the Arthur, Martha Speaks crossover we've all been waiting for. We finally can get some <laughs> answers to the animal hierarchy. Perhaps everybody in Arthur ate the alphabet soup, and that's why they can talk and walk, and some dogs can't. No, uh, it's a different character. It's Maria. Very, very sorry, Lucas. I actually didn't think about that. That was something on the Arthur wiki of, like, this is likely a reference to Martha Speaks. And I'm like, yeah, could be. But Maria. So Maria is a character that you have no doubt seen in Arthur if you've been watching along with us. If you've watched classic Arthur, you've seen Maria, but you've never heard her speak. She's one of those she's one of those background characters that have been around. She's I looked this up. She was literally in the first episode of the show, but have never spoken. So, if you remember from way way back at the beginning of Elwood City Limits, we would talk about some of these characters. One of them was the gray rabbit that we went on to call Frank who, uh, he has a real name, I don't remember what his name is, but there are several background school characters that you would recognize to see them, but never got a name, lines, really, acknowledgement, they're just, they're just kind of, they fill out the school, and Maria is one of them, and Arthur, in this cold open for the episode Maria Speaks, is talking about how Maria herself is a very quiet person, in fact, We've never heard her speak. None of Arthur or his friends have. So all these situations where she's really good at playing hide-and-seek because nobody really takes much notice of her. She never talks in class. She always holds, you know, she'll hold up her answer after having written it down. She dresses a mime for Halloween. So she's not interested in speaking, and we're not really sure why. And we come to find out why throughout this throughout this episode. It's hard to say. I almost want to say, like, initial thoughts on Maria, because the point is is that you're not supposed to have thoughts about her. But what do you think of this? This continues a trend that we've been seeing where 
the Arthur creative team is using every every bit of Arthur lore is coming back in a way that is to reuse this to repeat myself really for the heads for the Arthur heads the people who like us make podcasts about Arthur and notice this stuff like is you know the, the it's 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 target audience who's watching this in 2015 or whenever we are who are kids in 2015 are they going to know or care who Maria is like th- th- well, this can't be doing much for them and the point being that you can't just do referential material just to be referential. Mm. You're using an opportunity to be consistent with the lore, but also having the episode stand on its own, right? And I guess that's what we're going to learn today is, is this episode more than just a gimmick for the heads? Or do they utilize their moment uh, in a way where it stands on its own? Right, because so would you say that that is something that we run into from time to time because a lot of times it's normally like they'll reference something from way, way in the past, like just for a passing reference. And I, I appreciate them, but do you think that sometimes it can maybe take away a little bit because you have to be so into Arthur to get it? Well, it, 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 yes and no. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, right? Sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think referencing stuff is not bad in itself when it's used as color to kind of fill in the world rather than the conceit in which the episode needs to be enjoyed by. So my measuring stick is, you know, if if you you if you're turning on Arthur right now and this is the first episode you see, are you going to get anything out of it? Uh, conversely, you know, if we're definitely getting something out of it because we're like, wow, that's that character from season one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it should be done. It shouldn't be done in the sense where you're turning on Arthur, Arthur and you're like, well, what's the big deal? I'm lost. Right. And essentially what they're doing is taking the moment to introduce yet another new character, which is another thing that more recent Arthur seasons love to do. Introduce new characters. And I have no idea if Maria ever turns up again. We will have to see. Lakewood Elementary is starting a student-run news program. And a bunch of the kids in Mr. Ratburn's class will be the kids who will be part of the show. So Francine's going to be the director. Buster's going to be doing the weather. George will be on sports. Muffy's on the arts and culture beat. And Maria will be the lead reporter. Lucas, I always wanted you, to do something you, like this in I, high I was, school. I, I was going to say, did you ever have the chance to do something like this? No, not not in high school. I mean, eventually in like community college. but uh, Oh, true, true, true. This is like a standby. And I actually, I feel like I know people who went to high schools. It's not just an American thing. Like I, I know people who went to other high schools here where they had the infrastructure for something like this, where it was like there would be a TV show that just played in the classrooms and it would be kind of like a magazine news show like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I never got to participate in something like this. So in my final year of high school, uh, my my high school class was moved into a brand new high school. So in where we live, there used to be two high schools that were very close to each other. And there was a bit of a, a generational rivalry between those two high schools. Eventually, those two schools were amalgamated into one. And my class was the first graduating class of the new high school. So in my grade 12 year, or 12th grade, we got to do video announcements as part of the film and video 12 class. And everybody had to work on it for at least like one week. So I actually did get to do this and it was pretty fun. It, w- it was only, it only came on like one Friday where we worked on it. And, but it was live, I'm pretty sure it was live. And this is back in like 
2008. So it's pretty pretty cutting edge technology, all things considered. And I, I I had fun doing it. Of course, I would later go on into broadcasting, so it was a nice experience in that way as well. That's too bad you never got to to do this in high school. But as you said, Lucas, we both went on to do a much more serious version of this uh, before too long. Maria's name is Maria Pappas. And I will say she is voiced by an actor whose name is Stacy DePass. She has been on a lot of modern cartoons. You should you can look her up on IMDb. I wanted to note here a couple of the shows that she's been on. Uh, she's a main character on Sixteen, which Lucas, you did you ever watch Sixteen? Of course, I was a big fan of Sixteen back in the day. So she has a lot of credits for Sixteen. She was on Ruby Gloom. She was on Brace Face, which is another one that was just a little bit after my time. And then one that I found really interesting, this is something that I wonder if anybody anybody else remembers. She was a voice on the anime adaptation of the video game Power Stone, which was one of those Whoa. shows it was, it was one of those shows that came on Saturday afternoons on YTV. So I never got the chance to watch it consistently, but I always liked it. I'd love to Same go back here. and try it again. Yeah, yeah. The, the so, game, by the way, Will, I don't know if you yeah. played the game, Power Stone no. on the Dreamcast, and Power Stone 2 on the Dreamcast. The game is fire. The game I, is really good. <laughs> I always wanted to. I always wanted to, but I never got the chance. Um, I, oh, man, I would still love to give that a try. So Maria, Maria Pappas, her thing is she has a stutter. So she is terrified of doing this and this is this is why maria doesn't speak very often because she is very self-conscious about her stutter and this episode is about her coming to terms with that another thing about this being maria's direction is that she often has somebody to speak for her and that person is jenna we were saying recently that we felt jenna was a little underrepresented in the arthur episodes that we've been talking about so here Jenna is front and center. It's good to see her again. So Maria and Jenna, really good friends, and Maria has been named as the lead reporter. So she is very self-conscious about this, but she feels that if she gets an interviewee who will do all the talking, then she will barely have to say anything. So her first choice, naturally, is Muffy. So she's going to interview Muffy, and they do this thing where when they do the meeting before they start the production. Maria comes in. She's wearing sunglasses. She's got a scarf. She's got like a head wrap and a scarf. And she's she's kind of acting like a big shot. And Jenna is speaking for her as, a, as, a, as another way for her to not have to speak. And at one point, Jenna gets a call from the president. And they have to like excuse themselves. Uh, funny exchange here where Francine says, Buster, no one cares about the weather on Pluto. And Buster says, tell that to the Plutonians. Yeah, one of the best lines of the episode. He he doesn't just say, tell that to the Plutonians. He, like, screams it. He, he's, very, he's very adamant about it. Just, like, they need to know. Muffy is... First, this almost works because Muffy is absolutely down to talk about herself. First of all, interestingly, we were just talking about this in the last episode. Muffy, cons- Muffy confirms herself as a Gemini. Now... Uh, Lucas, does this does this fit to you, for what you know about astrology? Uh, I'm a little bit out of practice with my astrology knowledge, uh, but I was gonna say that this is some great insight uh, into uh, Muffy's character. We we kind of she picked the right uh, subject 
to be the person who just speaks through the interview so she doesn't have to speak because Buffy goes on this monologue where she's telling us she's a Gemini and she's telling us all these qualities about herself. Uh, eventually getting into that she loves doing things for other people, mm-hmm. which causes her to kind of like break down with guilt. Uh, this was one of the highlights of the episode for me. It's just Buffy. It reminded me, this is a weird pop culture uh, comparison, but it kind of reminds me of how Kanye acts in some interviews. Oh, where you'll, oh you'll no. ask, you'll ask, well, no, maybe not, <laughs> you know, 2023 Kanye, but let's say, you know, 2019 mm. Kanye. You'd ask him a question and he just is talking about eight different things, uh, okay. implicating himself in the process. Uh, that's what the vibes I get from this Buffy sit down, which this is like the closest we've gotten to thus far to kind of an Arthur episode version of the insider, seeing the kids put together (laughs) kind of a broadcast (laughs) news show, a magazine news show. (laughs) Arthur takes, Arthur takes down the tobacco lobby. That would be what it dude. What if Michael Mann directed an episode of Arthur? That'd be crazy, right? That'd be pretty awesome. Oh, who would be the, who would be the who are the De Niro and Pacino of Arthur that would have the you know if you're not prepared to to leave something in five minutes conversation who do you think would get the most out of that it's got to be like oh I think Arthur I think Arthur is the the De Niro and Buster's the Pacino you think you think they could pull that off oh yeah oh man Oh god, I want to see this so bad. Even just like put an Arthur scene to that Moby track in the movie. That would be awesome. So you were reminded of uh one character, let's say. The, especially one line that Muffy had where she said, "You think it's easy being this smart, pretty and popular?" Almost exactly, 100% exactly like a character from something that my wife and I have been binging over the holiday, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Muffy gives off big Cordelia vibes. And, you know, it's interesting going back to Buffy when I first watched it as a teenager versus now. And there are so many characters that I resonate now with a lot stronger than I did when I was younger. And the rich girl Cordelia is one of them. And I think a big part of that is probably Muffy and like Mm. how much I enjoy Muffy as a comedic character. Cordelia is in Buffy is very much the same way. And this is literally like literally Cordelia says this line at one point. So I really appreciated that. Um, So the Muffy interview, as you, as you said, she gets very, very personal. She breaks down and it's just like, it's not going to exactly work out the way that Maria hoped to. So instead she's going to switch to interviewing Mr. Ratburn. But then Maria has a dream that night that, when the camera is on her and they're filming and they're live, that she makes all kinds of strange noises on the show. So it's like a lot of barnyard animal noises. At one point, she opens her mouth and a submarine horn comes out, which if you put a submarine horn in a show, I'm laughing. So that was very funny. And then finally, Francine, the director, points at her Invasion of the Body Snatcher style and is like, she has a stutter. This is Maria's big time anxiety. That this is going to be, and this feels like, I didn't expect this to be an episode about uh, stuttering, but I think that they seem to be representing it pretty well. I've I've never had to deal with a stutter, but I can imagine that this is something that is a big, big problem for kids who have to deal with it. As always, uh, listener, if you are somebody who has had trouble with this in the past, let us know if this episode gave if if you felt it represented you or maybe if there's something that it could have done better elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com so 
During the first broadcast, unfortunately, Maria does begin to stutter. And she has this problem with almost everybody. When she's speaking one-on-one with either Jenna or I think it's like her pet hamster or something. Uh, it, it, her, one of, her, yeah, I'm going to say her pet hamster. I'm not 100% on what animal it was. But she can speak just fine. But she's really has trouble speaking in public. And especially this is as public as it gets because every every class is watching at the same time. So Maria begins to stutter in her very first line and then runs away. And there is a moment where she is speaking with that hamster. It might be like a class hamster. And she's not having as much trouble. And Mr. Ratburn comes in and he comforts her and lets her know that this is something that he has also had to deal with. He says that he used to have a pet hermit crab named Thoreau that he spoke to whenever he was nervous. And the rest of the episode is Maria going through practice and as much de-stressing as possible in order to get her part right and to be able to speak, if not completely without a stutter, then just to be able to control it a little better. So she she practices, she practices with Mr. Ratburn, and Mr. Ratburn is a very like comforting uh, interview, and he knows where she's coming from. So she manages to get through her interview, which ends up being a report on people with stutters, and uh, she is accepted by the kids after she opens up to them about her difficulty. So, again, good message to impart, you know, uh, you letting, pe- notice- letting the people who care about you know about it. And if they really do care about you, then they won't make you feel bad about it. Did you notice what uh, Mr. Rapper and the reason he was on the sh- much like a real talk show, he's promoting something. Uh, did you catch because this is where she gets inspiration to meet Mr. Rapper in the first place, what he's promoting? So yeah, earlier earlier the uh, the puppet version of Don Quixote. Yes, exactly. Which is something I was like, huh? That actually sounds pretty interesting. A one man puppet show representing Don Quixote. Well, and he is very like I I I think he could really pull this off. Especially like this isn't something that he's doing for class or even for the library. I think he's doing it at, like the community center. So there might actually be like a budget behind this. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think this I think this could be really something. Also, also, speaking of Ratburn, one of the things that he mentions in the interview is, you know, he learned to get over his stutter and he was in his high school's production of the HMS Pinafore, which is so Ratburn coded. Like, absolutely, I can see Ratburn doing Gilbert and Sullivan in high school. Mm. The more we learn about him, he just has that he just has that air about him, you know, Um I will also say Maria's stutter is not fixed by the end of this episode. You Even when she is interviewing Mr. Ratburn, she has to power through it. She does. She and she and she's a lot. She feels a lot more confident. And by the end, she wants to be more of an active participant in the news program. But she she still has to. At one point, Jenna mentions that Maria goes to speech therapy. And that's something she's still going to do. It's not completely solved for good. But it's something that she is learning more about and she feels more confident with. So I think that's the right that's the right way to do it. I feel like we have watched some episodes where it's like we start with a problem and then we solve a problem, which is it's nice, but it's not realistic, especially for something that like stuttering that affects real kids. It's like you're not going to get rid of this all in a week, but you can become a more confident person while still dealing with it. So, yeah, I the, the, the Maria's debut We'll have to wait and see if this is something, if if she will ever return in any sort of role. Crossing, crossing my fingers. And now a word from us kids. 
they usually introduce the kid right off the top with, with like, hi, my name is this, and this is my third grade class. I, I, I rewound this a couple of times. Her, the, the kid's name is Rufus, I think? I think her name is Rufus. I like I I heard Rufus, which mm, is like I'm not sure the, either. That is a name. It's just like I I don't expect it to be to be a girl's name. But uh, mm, uh, let's let's go with Rufus. Rufus and her third grade class are putting on a radio play. Specifically, they're doing a radio play version of Little Red Riding Hood. This was very <laughs> so. As he said, this is airing in 2015. They probably filmed this in 2013, 2014. Right around the time that you and I are in school for radio, there are kids, this group of kids is explaining to us what the radio is. Hey, have you ever heard of, like, before people had TVs, they listened to the radio. And I'm like, oh, man, this is making me feel even older than I already do. Yeah, after a string of really creative, interesting award from us kids, this one kind of just goes back to the formula of we stuck a camera in a classroom uh, and filmed the latest class, which, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But we were getting some really kind of out-of-the-box ones there for a while. Uh, I'll also say that this word from us kids, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like, I'm not saying this is necessarily a bad thing, but it does just end with a montage of children screaming, <laughs> uh, which you can imagine. You always hear that um, parents hated putting on Dora on for their kids because oh, it always yeah. encourages the kids to like, there's a call and response. Yes. Um, and so I can imagine that parents were probably none too pleased to, to hear this kind of chorus of children screaming at the camera. <laughs> That's a good point because yeah, the whole project is them having to, uh, to make their own sound effects. So throughout the story, you know, they're simulating the sound effects of walking and, they have to like you know little red riding hood encounters the big bad wolf and like ah but there there is a lot of like screaming together and there's and all of the sound effects are like several children's voices being done together so it is a lot of noise and again it's just like it's funny teaching you know 8 year olds about radio plays <laughs> which um which is interesting i wonder if that's even something like if they did, if you're doing this project today in 2024 would you just be like Oh, radio is uh, what we used to call podcasts. You know, is that is that how you relate that now? But interesting, or... yeah. Radio it was kind of like a Twitch stream. <laughs> I mean, it's you're right. Oh man, sorry. My, the, my the kid the kid raises their hand. You're like radio was like podcasts. The kid raises their hand. They're like in Ohio. No, not just in Ohio. <laughs> oh, it's just it's wrinkling my brain to think about like. How did you give bits to the radio station? How do you yeah, give exactly. subs to the radio station? Well, you didn't do that. You, s- oh man, ah, the inexorable march of time will doom us all. Hi everybody, it's Lucas, your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. 
You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice. If they aren't on one of those services, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, And most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. And we have ourselves a Binky episode. And it's right there in the title. There's no mistaking. It's postcards from Binky. Uh, which is starting off by talking about, Lucas, there's lots of ways to communicate with people. Arthur gives us a couple of examples. Apparently, Arthur and Buster know a little bit of semaphore, which is not the first reference to the flag language of seafaring boats that we've had in Arthur. I know. It's a funny joke. I feel like semaphore has come out of fashion, but we got to bring it back. I mean, yeah, it's. I wonder how complex of a communication style semaphore really is. I guess I'll have to look up a bit about it. You know, Arthur's favorite communicating way of communicating with people is communicating by letter, which sort of got a bit of an eye roll out of me. But also I just wrote a bunch of Christmas cards and received a bunch of Christmas cards. So yeah, there, I think there still is a, uh, oh, I was going to ask you, Will. Yeah. Is, yeah, are you a you're not much of a letter writer under regular circumstances? As I've gotten older, I've grown to actually really appreciate a heartfelt letter or a postcard. I try and keep them all, like not Christmas ones; those go into the trash. <laughs> but if someone oh. out of nowhere, eventually, I mean, come on, I'm going to save those forever. But I, uh, I, I keep all my cards forever, forever, ever. Wow. Yeah, yeah, good for you. I, I've I've cards from when I was a kid. Okay, there you go. Maybe you are actually more of a letter keeper than I. I was going to say that I try to keep personal letters that are written just kind of uh, for one reason or another, um, just in case my biographers need something, you know. Uh, But (laughs) uh, um, I don't necessarily keep Christmas cards. But that's good that you're in the practice of keeping those. Okay, so we both have an appreciation for the written word, so to speak. For sure. Like, it definitely takes a bit of effort, especially when I was writing Christmas cards this year. It's so few and far between that I actually have to like write long form and I forget how much it hurts my hand because I do the death grip on my pens when I'm writing and if I do that for a long period of time it really hurts my hand so I don't make a practice out of it but you know I can still remember in high school when I would write out full essays in pencil because I just didn't like to type uh so there definitely there's a part of me that really appreciates it it's a bit of a bit of a lost art these days so Arthur's favorite way of communicating is by letter, and Binky has his own way of doing it, which is the episode that we're talking about now. Specifically, Binky is having trouble when it comes to writing emails to his grandparents. He recently had his extended family in town, 
and Binky is describing to them, you know, a fantastic soccer game winning soccer goal that he did. I just want to say we get this couple of shots of Binky's extended family. I get a big whiff of AI art off of those people. Like it looks like the Binky's extended family, not counting his mom and dad, look like if you put like old Binky into uh, one of those AI art generators. Just like slightly off of just like check all of those guys thumbs like do they have two thumbs going on because it really felt like there's something unreal about the designs. Yeah, I'm looking I'm, at this now. It almost has it's not quite as bad, but it almost has pal on Pluto syndrome. Ooh, of, yeah. They kind of copy pasted Binky's face and then put different kind of hair and ears and clothes on it. Right, for these non-speaking roles, and you don't only see them for a little while, but it was enough for me to go, like, don't like the look of them. So Binky feels that when he writes it in an email, it isn't detailed or expressive enough, which he describes as just being like, you know, in his head, the memory is really cool. But then he writes it down, and it's like, eh. And literally, that's what he says, eh. And I understand that. That's one of the biggest impediments to writing for me, is that I have these cool ideas in my head, and then I put them down on on you know, in a Word document, and I'm just like, eh. Like, I don't think that this doesn't read particularly good. So in this case, for Binky, I I wish I could do this with my writing, but Buster suggests doing a video postcard, which is something that he and his father uh, did. Buster and his father have done before, making a video postcard when he was traveling all over the world. So Binky, his idea is that he is going to enlist his friends as actors, and they're going to reenact his game-winning goal at the big soccer game. Now, Lucas, where does he get this idea from? He gets it from Muffy, who, as it turns out, is doing her own reenactments out of her own pocket of instances in her life. And we see a clip from this. It's literally Muffy has commissioned a director. She's hired actors. She's created sets. We see, like, a movie version of the Headlice episode, which yeah, one of, one this of our is... favorites. Unreal. This is almost like, it's like a, uh, what's that writer's name? Is it Charlie Kaufman? Like yeah, yeah. Like John Malkovich. Like we have fake Arthur Artifice within Arthur Artifice. Um, <laughs> the, the characters are like playing them. Well, there's like weird actors pretending to be Buster. He's got fake bunny ears on. It's all very strange. Right. And it's funny because... Only an episode, uh, an episode or two ago, we saw Arthur is Buster and Buster is Arthur, and it was this weird, uncanny feeling. Now we have these other actors who are different animals from Arthur and Buster, and and they're clearly like in their like thirties or forties playing them and just being like, yeah, uh, what are we gonna do, uh, Miffy? Or you know, they're kind of not getting their lines correctly. And in Muffy's reenactment, she is the one who's like, we have to do something about these head lice. And then when Arthur sees that, he's like, I got head lice from you. Like, you, this is completely not what happened. It's just a really funny way to to, to think about that. Um, so, yeah, Binky's whole thing is that he's, he's kind of doing this, like, Mega 64 style. So they go down to the soccer game, and they're doing a dramatic reenactment where, of course, Binky looks like the star, and everybody is, like, has to act really, really big. And except for Arthur, Arthur's not really into this because it's not quite how he remembers it. And we we see what comes of that later. I really like it. They've done this before a couple of times, especially um, I think it was last season. They did that episode where Buster was the director and they were directing their own version of a fairy tale. 
And in, in that episode, there were a bunch of directorial tricks that were like almost Raimi-esque in how low budget they were. And we see a couple of these every now and again. With this one, it's more like, it's like the first time that you ever created a movie with your friends, if you've ever done that. And it's all of the stuff that you run into. So for example, when they're filming at the soccer field, it the day ends with, it's Muffy, George, Buster, and Arthur, and they're on the sidelines, and Binky's like, all right, we got a couple more shots to go. And they're all just like, we're tired. We want to go home and have dinner. And it's one of those realizations of all kids who make films is that filming takes a long time. It takes longer than you think. And it's a lot more tiring than you realize. I will say, though, uh, this stuff, and I think I've talked about this on a previous episode, this stuff is so up my alley. Yeah. Anytime it's something, there's that movie Be Kind Rewind where they make sweeted versions of all the movies, which are essentially micro-budget remakes. Um, And anything that's in media where it's a bunch of kids getting together and kind of trying to make a film with whatever means are available to them, I just find it so endearing and cute. And maybe it's because I used to do that back in the day, but I know they've kind of tread this ground before someone on Arthur, but I found this in particular really fun. Um, Especially, not spoilers for the end of the episode, but when we actually see the finished project later, uh, the fact that the kids are so tired and kind of unenthusiastic at this point, they find it boring. Even Arthur, who's not usually kind of a complainer when it comes to group projects, Arthur's kind of being the wet blanket here, being like, I'm, this is not fun. When they when that energy gets put into the final film, it's really funny. Yes, so really a lot of this is the filming of the short film, which shows Binky being, you know, a little bit... Um, he could be worse as a director, but he's he, he's a very specific vision, and he has little patience for people who don't see it his way. And then we get to see the video postcard later, which, again, is the story of Binky's goal. And then there's an extra story at the end about him. The story is about him catching a fish, but in this story, he gets swallowed by the fish. So first off, the postcard itself is introduced by Binky. He's dressed in a suit. And he's against a curtain. It's like it's either like Masterpiece Theater or like Alfred Hitchcock Presents where he's introducing the postcard of like, uh, uh, you know, this this is what happened when when we were uh, up in the soccer game and I scored the game winning goal. And this is like it's really, really very charming. Yeah, I loved the like and that's the you know, I always talk about how these episodes, sometimes the A episode and the B episode have a kind of slim connected thread. Um, The connected thread of these two is um, kind of kids doing television presentations Mm -hmm. like in Rhea Speaks, they're doing a kind of kids version of a magazine news show. And in this one, we have this really strange kind of, yeah, reenactment where we have Binky wearing a, a three-piece suit kind of being like and solemnly, and this is how it went on that fateful day. <laughs> it's really good. Like, it's a, it's a really good touch that they don't overplay too much. Uh, the soccer part of the movie is very, like, they, they, they get this so right, and they've gotten this right before, of... It has all of the weird editing, all of the, like, you know, close-up shots. There's a shot of, like, George where his arm is outstretched because he's holding the camera. Um, Arthur, you, you can, can see... You can see uh, Muffy reading her the lines from yes. a piece of loose leaf. <laughs> and Arthur, you know, when they were filming this, he was been very he's very unenthusiastic of, like, yay, Binky saved the day. But then in the final cut, you can see Arthur being unenthused, but then it's Binky's voice going, yay, Binky saved the day. (laughs) It's just a really funny way to do that. 
And then it gets even more charming because in the second part, the story is that Binky went fishing. He got swallowed by a fish. And then he, t- while he was inside the fish, he got swallowed whole. He tickled him, the fish, and then the fish spat him out. And there's so many great amateur filmmaker touches here. So uh, I, I will also mention in the soccer ball, in the in the goal story, you can see, you know, Binky kicks the ball at the camera and the camera falls over. And then it goes to the ball going in the goal, but it, the ball is like taped to a stick. Um, then in the fish story, of course, Binky doesn't have access to a boat. He doesn't have access to a car. So it's like Binky is like, we were going fishing one day. It's him standing outside his family's car. Cut to him doing like a toy car as a real car across the camera. And then it's like Wally, George's puppet Wally, dummy Wally, excuse me, is in like a toy boat. And that's meant to represent Binky. And the fish that swallows him is one of those talking fish statues uh, that, um, oh, the, uh, this is speaking of speaking of for the heads. Uh, it, it's like the one that DW got from Mr. Sipple when he moved away. The row, row, row your boat. And it looks exactly the same. And the voiceover like Binky is the voice of himself and the fish. It's really poor. It doesn't sync up with what's being said on screen. There's a lot of mistakes left in. But it's also really creative. Like Binky is inside this big tube I guess when he's like in the belly of the fish and it, it's just really creative I just I just I, I really enjoyed this I thought this was very I, very cute I agree and I couldn't believe when you know I thought we were gonna get all our bits in uh just portraying the soccer game but then we get this whole literal big fish story right like that's the how the saying goes a big fish story is this yeah. big exaggerated lie and so to represent Binky kind of telling a big exaggerated lie to his par- uh, grandparents. It's a literal big fish story. But our fun is kind of cut short by Sue Ellen, who kind of takes the position as a scold here. Yeah. Uh, which is to say, you never caught a giant fish. What are you lying to your grandparents? And I wanted to say, come on, Sue Ellen. Like, they're not going to think that this is real. <laughs> I, I don't think Binky's pa- uh, grandparents have, like, such horrible dementia that they're like, oh, my God, we got to call the Coast Guard. Our son <laughs> is trapped in a giant fish. Um, they're going to know that he was just making them a silly movie. Um, so I, I, I was like, oh, man, I was really enjoying this episode. Now th- the moral of the story is don't make this awesome movie about you getting eaten by a fish. But they save it in the end because Binky does a more straightforward retelling of the soccer, and then he says that – he is now re-editing the fish thing into uh, a movie that he's going to send them later. So I was like, thank gosh, because that is golden footage. They can't just discount that footage because Sue Ellen said it wasn't true, you know? You can't make movies about getting swallowed by a fish anymore because of woke. True. Um, the, the woke agendas, they don't like that. <laughs> the woke scolds won't let you do it. Um, yeah, and you know, it's funny when... We were watch uh, when I was watching this on YouTube, and I'm like, "There's not a lot of time left. Is it? Is it just like Binky made a movie? The movie was funny. End of episode. I'm like, I'm okay with that. But it really, at the end there, they sneak in the whole thing where his friends is you know, especially Sue Ellen, say that he should make his email to his grandparents like the video postcard that he created, and so the idea is that Binky just describes it like the movie he created. But then he's later like, I will send you the movie that I created as well. Just like, 
I guess. I felt like we don't really need a message to this. Sometimes, like, an episode can just be Binky made a funny movie. Like, that would have been totally fine. This, the way, the way that this came in at the end, it reminds me a lot of Arthur writes a story, which is around the idea about how when Arthur feels like his story isn't good enough on its own and he keeps adding to it and eventually taking away from the impact of the story. With this one, it's like, I, I guess you could say that that's what Binky's doing, but it's also like, yeah, but his movie is really funny. And like you said, Lucas, it's not like his grandparents are going to completely believe him or something. So it, it is en route to, I guess, making him a more descriptive writer. But yeah, I felt like we almost didn't need these last couple of minutes. It could just be Binky made a funny movie. So yeah, like I, I am glad that you said that. It also kind of hit me a little weird and t- it t- took it took away a little bit from an episode that I was otherwise enjoying. But let's uh, let's wrap this up now because that's the end of the episode. Is that Binky is going to send the the video to them as a postcard? And we see his grandparents, who thankfully look a little bit less AI art than the rest of his family. Um, Enjoying the story that he wrote. So on the way back to Maria Speaks, again, another character debuting, a longtime character finally getting their spotlight. Lucas, what did you think? I thought Maria Speaks was pretty good. I like that. I, I feel like it's kind of like when they first introduced George. Um, yeah. It, it tends to be with these modern Arthur episodes that the the kind of one thing that makes the character unique is always introduced first, right? So with George, it was that he was dyslexic and that he needed a dummy. Um, And then the character got more and more fleshed out as it went on. So I hope we get that with Maria where, you know, this is kind of our big introduction to Maria and it's that she has a stutter. We don't really get much anything else besides that. And there's only so much you could fit in a 10 minute episode. So that's what the episode's about is her kind of dealing with this stutter. Um, But I do hope we see more from her later on. I think of, and you know, it's it's telling that this is what I'm saying about her. Um, uh, uh, Prunella's blind friend. I feel like, that's still to this day all we really know about her is that she's Prudella's friend and they like the same book series and that she's blind. Uh, and well, we never well, really kind of got well, much else. Actually, well, actually, recently we kind of get a little bit more with her. Like she's a really good, really good gymnast. So that's true. She's we get, we gymnast, get a, but it's less that like I just want to know what are the characters' mentalities, right? Like for instance, right. Buster. You know, he's hyperactive, he's gullible, he's, you know, not book smart. Uh, uh, Buffy, you know, she talks all the time. She likes to dote over people. Um, uh, Francine, athletic. Like, we know that they have these talents, but I want to have a little bit more capital C character uh, from these folks. If they're going to get the honors of being introduced as an Arthur character. Listen, the fact that she's blind is Prunella's friend and does gymnastics already means that she's got more in her than LaDonna and Bud, who are (laughs) uh, from the South and wear a hat. (laughs) Um, And annoy me. She doesn't annoy me like those guys do. True, true. Anyway, this is all to say that I liked this introduction of Maria. I just hope we get more from her. And I also say that, you know, they could have just made this episode about her, I don't know, doing some sort of public speaking. And, you know, she has to deal with her stutter. Instead, again, we get kind of Arthur the Insider, which is like a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to see the kids put together this magazine news show. I love the scene where she's interviewing Muffy and she doesn't even have to say a word. And Muffy is already 
kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, telling on herself and exposing herself because she just <laughs> simply can't help herself and stop talking. Um, so moments like that kind of make this episode better than what it could have been, which was, you know, if it aired on the side of like the after school special, so to speak. We need Muffy with a drama YouTube channel. Like, yes. and and that might happen. Like, I don't know that I could see that being an episode that we have not have yet to talk about. So crossing my fingers, Muffy drama YouTube channel, please. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm kind of similar to your feelings of like, I thought this was pretty good. Um, I appreciate that we, whenever we introduce a new character, we have an opportunity to talk about, um, an issue that pertains to some kids who are watching the show. In this case, kids who deal, deal with a stutter. I've known a lot of people who, uh, have had to go to vocal therapy for stutters and either overcame them or just deal with them in their everyday life. Um, but like you said, we continue to have a lot of tertiary character, tertiary characters that uh, kind of end up being their issue more so than a character. I'm thinking of the character in the wheelchair. What is her name? The the I'm 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 sorry I don't remember her name, but she's only been in that one episode seasons ago, the one where the brain was getting used to being in a wheelchair and then she showed up and then, you know, I don't know, like the wheel deal. I'm I'm googling it as I as I see it here and the character's name was drumroll please. Sorry for everybody who already knew this, Lydia. Like Lydia? Like all I that's I don't even remember her name. I just remember her as she is the Arthur character in a wheelchair and then will she ever show up again? Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think there is a danger of kind of bringing them in for an issue and then never really using them anymore. And hey, uh, Peebs said this over the Christmas break. After this one, we've got 32 episodes of Arthur left, which is not a lot, so we're running out of road to use all of these new characters. And you're wow. right. Uh, you're right, Lucas, uh, with characters like LaDonna and Bud, which at, it, a lot of times just feel like accents instead of characters, <laughs> um, especially in Bud's case. But as it pertains to the episode, I thought this was pretty good. I hope we get more out of Maria. I uh, always like learning a bit more Ratburn lore. And uh, yeah, this was a, just a, it was another positive message, which is always good. It's just would be cool if we use Maria more. So crossing my fingers for that as well. Crossing my fingers a lot this episode. Postcards from Binky. Uh, like I said, I think I would have liked it a little better if it didn't have a message to it. If it was just wacky fun, like uh, the the one where Arthur and his friends make a movie. That didn't really have a message other than, man, it's fun to work on a movie with your friends. And it's like, it is. And we've been u- reusing a lot of concepts and doing soft reboots of older episodes. Like, you could totally, and we already have done a making a movie episode with Buster and that fairy tale one, which I believe is from season 18, if I remember correctly. Um, so doing this again, but then also being like, well... The Binky learning how to become an expressive writer. And this whole time, I'm just like, get back to Binky making a movie. Like, this is really funny. So it was fun for a lot of it. But then just trying to make it fit within Arthur in terms of the overall canon of Arthur, in terms of like giving it a message and this sort of thing, I was like, eh, we've already kind of done that. It doesn't do much for me. Like, we did that really early on with Arthur Writes a Story. So when it was good, it was good. Otherwise, yeah, you know. In spite of how this episode kind of tries to sabotage itself at the end, I kind of loved this episode. Cool. Um, I I think that 
one thing that that's really strong about it is we get to see the sausage getting made and we get to see the sausage <laughs> and the, that fact actually makes both sequences better like we get to see how tired and bored and how not into it everybody is yeah and then yeah. when we see the way binky edited the final product uh and just how you can see the tape and you can see the seams of it all but also Pinky's presenting it in a three-piece suit and taking it all deadly seriously. And then how we get this non-sequitur at the end where he's swallowed by a fish. Uh, I loved the ride that this episode took me on, and I thought it was really funny as well. And what can I say? It's a Binky episode. I'm biased. My biases are laid bare. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Great. I'm, I'm really glad that you, that you liked it so much. And it's, I, I, as we said before, the ones where they're making uh, movies or making their own content working together are usually fun in one way or another. All right, there we go. That's Elba City Limits officially in 2024. Thanks a lot for journeying into the new year with us. Now, speaking of the new year, I mentioned this up top, and now I want to get into it just a little bit before we say goodbye. Over on Patreon, we're making a bit of a change to one of our regular offerings, which is... For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, or should I say, For the Kids. You see, we're making a little bit of a change in 2024 and going forward. We're finding that we got some really great suggestions for PBS Kids shows, and that's where that's where it all comes from. That's where Arthur is coming from, and that's what we wanted to do. Now, we're not leaving behind PBS Kids, but we are finding that there is a lot of interest among our patrons and listeners for us to cover other kids' shows that maybe didn't technically air on PBS. There was even a couple of times where we wanted to talk about shows, but it's like, oops, they didn't air on PBS. Well, we're getting rid of that. We are going to be opening the floodgates, and we're going to be talking about kids' media across the landscape. So it could be PBS Kids. It could be Nick Jr. It could be Treehouse TV. It could be, I don't know, like as long as it was aimed at a very young kid's audience and, you know, we can kind of fudge it a little bit here and there. Uh, Lucas, I think we've already got some really great ideas. There is a uh, post up on Patreon where you can leave your suggestions if you are a patron uh, for shows that we should cover. And we've gotten some great suggestions Lucas, at the end of the month in January, I'm going to go with one that we've been asked about several times, and I hope there's a degree of excitement behind this. This is the first one. We're getting rid of the subtitle of PBS Kids Podcast. It is now just called For the Kids, and you know what the kids want? The kids want Jesus, because we're talking about Veggie Tales at the end of the month. Oh, yeah. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I'm really interested to to go back. We got to do like... Like old Veggie Tales, we gotta do like nineties oh. Veggie Tales. Dare I say we gotta do some Old Testament Veggie Tales? Oh yes, <laughs> we're going Old Testament on everybody. Absolutely. So Veggie Tales is gonna be the first episode of the new for the kids. Uh, but of course, we've already done over fifty episodes talking about other PPS kids shows and a lot of the big ones already. And we're also not completely leaving PBS Kids behind. So don't worry, we will be using some of these new suggestions. We may not be able to get to all of them, but I have a, an ongoing list, and top of that list is VeggieTales. So VeggieTales we're going to be talking about at the end of January. If you are a patron, you can expect that. Uh, and if you're on the free feed, you will get a free preview of that at the end of the month, as usual. And if you want to join our Patreon, it is pay what you want. Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And you get every episode of For the Kids, every episode of ECL Origins, 
Every episode of ECL, you get it a week early. You get access to the Discord. You get commentaries. You get exclusive videos. And you also get the opportunity to tell us which shows we should talk about on For the Kids. Uh, because we love our patrons, but we also love all of our listeners. So, yes, very excited about this new development going into the new year. And coming up next on Elwood City Limits proper, speaking of characters that we thought we might never see again, we're talking about Carl's Concerto and too much of a good thing. As I said, Lucas, we've only got this, after this one, 32 episodes of Arthur left. Which may not seem like a lot, but remember, we end up doing three, maybe four of these ECL episodes a month. So, 32 small number, but we've still got quite a ways to go. So you listeners, you better buckle up, because you're with us for most of 2024, if not the whole thing. ECL is nowhere near done just yet. Thank you, and thanks very much for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits. And we can't wait to see what this year has in store for us. I'm Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, tell that to the Plutonians! (laughs) We'll see you next time.